Welcome to the Grace Vineyard Podcast, where we are building growing communities of worshipers who are becoming like Christ, empowered to do His work. We hope you enjoy this message. Do you think God speaks? Occasionally, someone will say, I felt like God told me something, and it'll get on like a public thing, like on the news or something, and then people make fun, like, oh, they're hearing voices. <laughs> Have you seen that? Hello, over here, maybe? <laughs> yeah, so, um, so if you say that God spoke to me, someone might say you're crazy, and that's going to be the cost of it. So if you read the Bible, what you'll see is that God speaks to people constantly. <laughs> He speaks to their hearts. He gives visions. He gives, um, he leads and guides by his Holy Spirit. So those of you that were listening to the Lord and trying to go, oh, I think God has an encouraging word from me for my family today. Well done. You guys did really well. Um, do that more. Do that in your regular life. Listen and see if God gives you something to bless and inspire. I know he did. I've heard that story. <laughs> Have you tell it again sometime soon? He did speak to you in your kitchen. I remember that. Lord, ever speak to any of you in your kitchen? Yeah. So, by the way, I'm Ron, if I haven't met you. Hello. I'm one of the pastors here, and I get to, good morning, I get to bring some teaching from the Bible um, from time to time lately, but it's my turn today. I, in praying, uh-oh, I think this is on. Hey, I like that because then I can be more Italian, you know, make my hands go. <laughs> Technology. Um, so I felt like God put something on my heart in as I was praying for y'all, and it was just a word. I felt it hit me strongly from the Lord. Oh, you're supposed to teach the family on truth, and that's just a one-word thing that could go lots of ways. Like, we could be talking about the importance of integrity, how, uh, man, integrity of character and being honest people changes everything. We could talk about that. We could talk about the Bible is true, and there's good doctrine that is truth, and we could talk about that. We could talk about uh, 10 truths that every Christian should know. You know, there's just lots of stuff about what truth is and why it's important. But in my then praying and studying, I felt like the Lord gave me or led me to a particular focus that came up with this unusual title that you see on the screen, Truth is a Person. And, what we're, and you see a phrase on the bottom from Jesus where he said, in one context, and we'll read this again as we're talking, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And there's a concept in the Christian worldview that Jesus embodies Truth, the truth, big capital T truth, truth that we need for life. And so where we're going to be heading in this conversation today is trying to learn about how 
this is reality and how it impacts our life, that Jesus is truth and that we are transformed by truth in relationship with him more than just being informed by true principles that we can learn in a book. You know, you can learn things, memorize them, and say, that's true, but you can, and then you're informed. But you can be more transformed when you encounter, in a relational way, Jesus. And that's available for all of us. And I have a feeling next week when Michael shares, he's going to be talking about some of the same things because we've talked just a little bit about what God's given him. It's going to be probably some of the same thinking. So maybe there's a theme for us right now for a season about being transformed in the presence of God. Sound worth talking about? You good? Okay. Lord, we want to ask for your help right now. I've... In my time with you, I felt like you've given me something to try to present to my family, and I'm praying that you help me. Give me the right words. Give me an ability to communicate. Give us an ability to hear. We pray, as we just said, that you would speak this morning, both by your spirit and by interaction one with another, and even by the preaching of the word and the reading of the Bible this morning. Communicate with us what we need to learn from you. We submit ourselves to you and we come in faith right now. Faith that you speak to us, that you have something to say to us, Lord. We love you. We love you. Amen. So I guess I'll start with talking with asking you guys a question, just to get our minds thinking. The topic is truth. What is truth? Can someone tell me what you think truth is? Oh, that's a hard question, huh? And we all know what it is, but it's hard to put in words. Oh, I'm hearing mumbles. Okay. When the word and the deed are the same, that's what truth is. That works for me. Good one, Ken. What did you say? Truth is genuineness. Okay. Yeah, Ramon. Oh, truth is often hearing something you don't like. Well, that one struck a bone. You heard the laughter there. What, Erica? The reality of situations without an events of what's going on. And not manufacturing it, just reality. I like that. Say, say that again. Something that's proven correct over the test of time would be truth. I saw that really good-looking young man with the announcements, Bryce Ost. <laughs> the facts. Just the facts, ma'am. You're too young to know that line from that show. Real and does not change. Reality. You guys are using some of the very same words that... I'm thinking. So you know I often talk and quote an author, a philosopher, a theologian by the name of Dallas. Yeah. Is any, are any of you reading him yet? Yeah, he, he'll, he'll confuse you at first, and then he'll, he'll help you uh, learn some truths about Jesus that are powerful. He, he talks about knowledge and truth 
And he said that getting a grasp, where truth is, knowledge is about getting a grasp on the truth about things, and the basis of that truth being, well, I can't even read my writing, to deal effectively with reality. And then he later says in that particular article, we can think about reality, you listening to this, we can think about reality as what you run into when you are wrong. We can think about reality as what you run into when you are wrong. So knowledge that is true is you're getting a grasp of things as they really are so that you can deal effectively with reality. Um, we need truth. We need truth about how the world works. We need truth about who God is. We need truth about who we are. We know, need truth about how we fit into God's world. We need truth about what is good and what is right. And we need truth about what is evil and what is wrong. And if those things get mixed up, we end up in chaos. We end up in craziness. And I would say it simply like this. Truth is the way things really are. And we sort of know that, but smart people and politicians can confuse that for us. Have you noticed that? They might say, well, what is truth? Like Pilate did before Jesus. Uh, if I tell you there are donuts on the counter, I make a statement. You can easily go out to the lobby and verify if it's true. And if I say there are chocolate-covered cream-filled donuts <laughs> on the counter and I believe it, it won't, my belief and my sincerity won't affect the facts. You will go out and there will either be donuts on the counter or there won't be. And there either will be chocolate-covered cream-filled donuts or there won't be. Truth reflects reality. Now, in our society, we will hear all the time, well, Ron, don't be silly. You have your truth, and I have my truth. And that is a confusion in terminology. They're, they're confusing belief for truth when they say that. It is true that I have my belief and you have your belief. But the truth stands. Truth stands. And you are going to hear in our world more and more. If you have conversations about the way things really are, well, that's your truth. I must live my truth. And be aware that's not true. <laughs> that's about belief and perception. I must live my belief. Now, we can grant that for sure. But the question is, is my belief lining up with the truth? Right? You, you look like you're starting to think. Now, listen to this scripture from Isaiah. Isaiah is a prophet. And he's beginning this large work in the Old Testament to bring correction and hope to the, to the family of God, the people of Israel. And Isaiah is the most quoted in the New Testament. Jesus quotes Isaiah all the time. Isaiah has in it the gospel in the Old. But at the beginning of Isaiah's prophecy, he says these words. Isaiah 5.20, Woe to those who call evil good 
and good evil. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Do you ever feel like that's happening in our world? Where even leaders of our society flip things. And they call the people that are doing good evil. And the people that are evil and doing evil are called good. And maybe even praised. This, in my estimation, is the work of Satan trying to bring chaos and destruction and oppression to our world by getting us to believe lies. He's the father of lies. This is how he began with Adam and Eve in the first temptation and the first sin. What God says is not good. What God said was bad is actually good, so go do it. Remember that with the fruit that they shouldn't eat? And it goes on today in the same way, only in many complicated, um, immensely more complicated situations and you know, groupings of people and situations, and it can be confusing. Now look at what Jesus came to do. This is John chapter 18. This is recording what I just mentioned. Jesus before Pilate. Pilate is basically acting, not basically, he is acting as a judge because Jesus has been brought before him and the Jewish religious leaders that are against Jesus have gathered a crowd, stirred them up, got a mob going to demand that he be crucified. They take him before Pilate, the Roman governor, and Pilate in the conversation says, you are a king then to Jesus. And Jesus answered, you're right in saying I am a king. In fact, listen to these words, for this reason I was born and for this reason I came into the world to testify to the truth. I just paused there when I read that. Oh, this is your purpose statement for your life. You came to testify to the truth. Then he says, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Pilate said, what is truth? And then walked away. Didn't wait for the answer. For this reason I was born. Now, some of you already are hearing in your mind another similar phrase written by John, who's just recorded that conversation. John wrote the gospel. He also wrote later on, many years later, letters to followers of Jesus, long after Jesus had died, been crucified, raised from the dead, ascended to heaven. Many, uh, some, some decades later, he wrote these words, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. But earlier, he quoted Jesus, said the reason the Son of God appeared was to testify to the truth. Which is it? I would say they're the same. And this is, gives us some understanding about the world that we are in right now. The devil's work is to bring lies and confusion that make us essentially insane. Because insanity is when our experience and our understanding is divorced from reality. Mental health, some have said, is about a dogged adherence, adherence to reality. 
sticking with reality. The devil's work is to deceive and through it bring destruction. Now listen to this. Here's um, Paul writing about the devil's work. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 9. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan. Displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders. He's speaking about the end of times here. And in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. Listen to this next phrase. They perish because they refused to love the truth. And so be saved. For this reason God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie. And so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but delighted in wickedness. In other words, this, there's a whole other concept there that's worth being sober about, when people consistently throw their hand like this to God and say no and refuse and say, I'm going to do my thing, there comes a time when God says, okay, let me give you what you want. Go ahead and be deceived. And you'll read in various parts of the Bible about those who've been turned over to their unbelief. And no longer does God bug them. I hope that's the most frightening thought that God would stop pursuing you because you finally said no too many times. Whoa. Isn't that frightening? Like, don't say no to God too many times because he might give you what you asked for. That's another topic. So with those thoughts, we're starting to hone in on the work of Jesus, the work of Satan, the battle that's going on about truth. And... And I said, we could, we could now you know, read the Bible and discover, discuss information, statements, and beliefs that are true, that are super helpful for our lives. And that is absolutely important. Uh, so what I'm talking about in the personal relationship with Jesus is not to take away from the fact that we must have truth, that we study, that we learn, that we practice, that we memorize, that we learn. That's why we study the Bible, because it has the truth about reality in it. And it makes us sane. And it makes us able to deal with reality as we encounter it in our world. But I want to I watch as we go to the person of Jesus. So here's some scriptures. John 8, 31. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then... You will know the truth, and truth will set you free. I have to pause and remind us, we've talked about this before, but in the biblical language, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, they weren't written in English, obviously. The Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures are written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek. The words that they have in Hebrew, yada, and gnosko in Greek, that come to us as no, have more depth of intimacy and experience in them. So you would read, for example, in the beginning of the Bible that Adam, yada, knew his wife, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. You would read in Matthew that Mary became pregnant with Jesus miraculously without having sex with the man. And it says that Adam did not, I mean that Joseph, her husband, did not gnosko her, did not know her until after Jesus was born. The word 
No, in that context, is what the Bible would use to describe the most intimate knowing there is in human relationships. Sexual intimacy between people is an unveiling and uncovering of yourself. Literally, physically, you are naked, but you're, there's a connection of soul and spirit and emotion given by God to form the covenant of marriage that is a deep knowing. Now, you take that and, and go back and go, wow, that word no is a little bit heavier than, yeah, I believe some truth, right? It's way deeper. Jesus said, you will know the truth. In a way similar to the way Adam knew Eve, you will know intimately, experientially the truth, and you will be set free. Now, here's some more words of Jesus. John 14, 6. This is the key verse that we had at the, that um, graphic at the beginning. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, knew that kind of knowing. If you really know me, you'll know the Father as well. That's not information only. It's way beyond information. That's a transformative experience or relation with a person. And if you, if you thought Christianity was about believing the right things and that's it, you are far from understanding Christianity. Christianity is about knowing relationally God and being known relationally by God. And in that experience of relationship, being transformed completely into a whole new life. Have you experienced that? You and I can know God. That's incredible. And Jesus says, I am the truth. The truth that we need in order to deal with reality as we encounter it in our life. To deal with the problems you face, and the struggles you face, and the concerns you face, and the worries, and the unknowns, and the fears, and the anxieties, what you don't just need is more information. But if you will enter into deep relationship with him who is the truth, you will get the information you need probably. But more importantly, you will get the experience of him who has the answers and who will transform you along the way into the answer yourself. Did that make a little bit of sense? Kind of. There was not a lot of amen in there. So. It's a, it's, a, it's a weird concept for us Westerners to think, what do you mean a person is the truth? But this is, this is in the Bible. So let's look at it a little more. James writes, James, the brother of Jesus, who wrote a letter to the Christians much later, it's near the end of your Bible, after the book of Hebrews, wrote this in the first chapter describing God. He chose to give us birth, or new birth, through the word of truth. The word of truth. We go back to John tying these concepts together and we hear the beginning introduction of John to Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, the Word of Truth. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. You know, who's he talking about? Jesus the man, who's also Jesus the God, 
who became man. That's impossible. You're right. But it is the truth. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. You're, you're hearing elements about truth there, light and dark. Remember what we read in Isaiah. Woe to him who calls light dark and dark light and switches them around. And now Jesus comes as the light into the darkness. And some don't understand him. And some understand him. And they receive him. A little later in that intro, John writes this, the word, the word of truth, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen, John's writing, first person, I was there. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, the glory of the infinite God. We've seen it. We've seen it in Jesus, the word, the word of truth. We've seen it. The one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. For the law, or the Torah, was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but, but God, the one and only, who is at God, the Father's side, has made him known. Now, you're hearing these words, know and true, and truth that is known. But in our Western culture, it's super hard for us to get beyond information and trying to have categories that we just decide, is that information true or is it false? Are there or are there not donuts? Right? And we just get stuck there. But we have to back up a little bit and let go just a little bit of our Western thinking and get into biblical cultural thinking where we have a person who is both man and God and is the embodiment of truth, which needs to be experienced. And you probably, though you might not have talked about it that way, have experienced him. And you've experienced the closeness of God where you feel like, this is right. Everything feels right in this moment. There is balance. There is harmony. There is peace. There is light. There's no guilt. There's righteousness, which is rightness. I'm in the presence of justice, truth, faithfulness. Jesus is described in Revelation 19, 11, speaking of the end of times, as coming like a warrior on a horse, like a rider in war. And it says, and his name is faithful and true. Truth is a person. <laughs> Truth is Jesus. And I want to encourage me and you as you go through your life and you run into troubles, anyone ever run into troubles, where you need an answer to know that you need more than information so that you, in addition to getting information, go and spend time with him who is truth. 
And in his presence, before him waiting quietly, in his presence, reading his word with the help of the Holy Spirit, in his presence, worshiping, in his presence with the family of God praying, watch how before you know in your head the answer, you experience somehow in your inner being, in your heart, the answer. Have you, has anyone, can anyone relate to what I'm talking about? I think that is equally important to finding facts. Maybe more. Jesus is the truth. Truth is a person. And that has a lot of ramifications for our life. Well, let's think about this. The disciples heard Jesus loves them. You've heard Jesus loves you. That's a truth that you can know. And the disciples heard, in fact, here's more truth. You can show love by laying down your life for a person. No man has greater love for his friend than he laid down his life for his friend. Jesus taught his disciples. And that was true, and they understood that, maybe. But something changed when Jesus went to a cross and they watched him go to a cross for their sins, for their salvation. And their friend died in front of them, a brutal death. And then their friend rose from the dead and they experienced him in conversation and talking. I'm telling you, the truth, Jesus loves you, became very real to them when Jesus loved them experientially. Does that make sense? changes everything from mental assertion to knowing, yada, gnosko, knowing intimately, relationally. If this is um, in my notes corresponding to what many of you were saying when you felt inspired by the Holy Spirit this morning, if I am discouraged in my life, it's probably because I am experiencing in my soul discouraging words that I'm believing. You are a failure. No one really loves you. They only love you for what they can get out of you. You will never amount to anything. Everyone has gifts from God but you. You have nothing to offer. You are all alone. Those are ideas, those are beliefs, those are statements. And don't say, well, that's my truth and not your truth. No, that's your belief. And those beliefs can be somewhat countered by having someone say, no, 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 that's not true. You are loved. No, 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 you've got gifts. No, 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 you, you belong. No, 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 people love you. But when you experience the overflowing love of God by the Holy Spirit in a tangible way where you know the experience of God's acceptance and His grace and His love and His absolute forgiveness and His approval that you feel, you almost hear it in your ear, you hear it in your mind and you feel it in your heart because you're having a personal encounter with Him who is truth, that can absolutely annihilate discouragement. And it's much stronger than info. Are we communicating? I want to say 
that most, if not all, of the struggles and troubles we face individually and on a societal level come from lies about reality. That's a strong statement, and you might want to, you know, meditate on that and decide if I'm wrong or not, <laughs> see if that's true. But I think most of what we run into, if not all of it, especially if it's got darkness from Satan, is the result of lies. Calling good evil, calling evil good, calling darkness light, calling light darkness, replacing the sweet for the bitter, the bitter for the sweet. Paul, that apostle of Jesus, was given such great insight, and he spoke to this in his letter to the church at Corinth. Listen to these words. Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. I'm suggesting that the struggles we face individually in our world come from falsehoods or lies that become ideologies that we practically worship as true as God himself. They become a stronghold in our life, and now we're stuck. We're in the grip of the oppressor because we've believed his lies. And Paul says, here's what you do. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge, the gnosko, the intimate knowing of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What's happening there? The enemy's weapon is a lie, but God's victory is the truth. Those lies produce strongholds. They're torn down when they are replaced by the truth of what God says and the truth of who God is in our experience of him who is the truth. That's what I just read is a description of what I said earlier about dealing with discouragement by abolishing the lies that have set themselves up against the truth of who God says, truth of what God says about me and who I am, by not only hearing the truth, but experience it in the presence of Jesus. Are, we, are you picking up what I'm putting down? <laughs> the truth is a person. How are we doing on time? Oh, Ron, you're talking too long. Okay. People, can I just do another thought? I'm talking about the ramifications of knowing that truth is a person. People in recovery know that a root of alcoholism or other substance abuse is something called denial. Where we cannot deal honestly with who we are. We can't look in the mirror and be honest about it. We have to blame other people. And in order to not face the reality of who we are, we get drunk and then we don't have to deal with it. 
but the root is denial. So what do you do in recovery? You go through steps that bring you into truth about who you are, about what you've done, take responsibility for it, work through it, make amends, live a life of service, and you discover that living in truth instead of denial brings you into sanity. And you bring God into the process. You realize I need a power greater than myself, right? That's, as I'm not in recovery, but I understand that's kind of the message you're getting. Am I close? Okay. It's good stuff because it came from the Word of God in its original form. Denial, living in a lie, alienates me from God. Denial alienates me from you in relationship, and denial destroys myself. Listen to Psalm 32. David's writing, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away when I kept silent about my sin. Through my moaning all day long, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Selah. David is a lyricist, a poet, a songwriter, and he's describing his experience of not living in reality but living in denial about his sin. And then he says, then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. And he talks about the health that came out of living in truth. Jesus is truth. And if I face denial in the context of a personal relationship with Jesus, now I've got someone with me who looks at my faults and says, yes, this is true, and now I want you to know I've taken them upon myself, and I forgive you. And I give you grace, and I give you approval, and I give you love. And not only that, now, if you will continue to walk with me in truth, I will transform you into a whole different kind of person. And you'll never have to drink again. Because you'll look in the mirror and go, that's someone who God loves and has changed. And I like him. Because truth is a person. And we must... In order to deal with the way things really are, come at them with truth. And the way we come at them with truth is knowing the logos, the word of God. And we know that Jesus is the word of God. Somehow, in some way that's hard to understand, he is the embodiment of all of the wisdom that's in here. He can tell it to us so we know it. But we can walk with him and experience so we know it. We know the truth. We know I am loved. How do you know I am loved? Because I know I am loved. Well, how do you know? Because I've experienced his love. Well, how do you know? Can you explain it? No, I can just tell you I've been there and I've lived it. And I know that I know that I have love. Those of you, most in the room, probably are already followers of Jesus, so you've tasted this. I'm encouraging us, I think, just to dive into it fully, deeply, morning by morning, with the blue-collar God like Ken talked about. Morning by morning, into the truth who is a person.
and you'll be transformed. Information is nice, but transformation is what you want. And you won't get transformed by information. You will get transformed by relationship with Jesus Christ. You'll learn the love of the Father. In fact, Kent picked a song for ministry time about the love of the Father. We didn't talk, but it's exactly the song I would have asked you to choose if we had talked. Lord, our time of reading your word for this morning has come to an end. But we, we pray, Lord God the Father, Lord God the Son, Lord God the Holy Spirit, that you will come upon us in a tangible, experiential, relational way right now. Let the Spirit of God rest on us. And I'm asking you, Lord, that I and my family and friends today will experience you in a deeper way right now for our needs, for our struggles, for our fears, for our anxieties, for our sins, for our addictions, that we will experience truth in an encounter with the living God right now. Come, Holy Spirit. And worship band, if you could make your way to the stage, that would be a good time for that. They're going to lead us in a song called Good, Good Father. And right now, there will be some people in the church who like to pray for us. They'll be on the sides. And if, you're, if you pray for people in our church, come and make your way. And in particular... If you have experienced this morning while I've been talking or even throughout the morning with the words that were given in the worship, this sense of you need the reality of God's love, acceptance, forgiveness, approval in your life to combat depression, to combat discouragement, to combat the thing that stops you from stepping out and living fully, come and have them pray over you. They will invite God the Spirit to touch you. And there's a high likelihood that you will experience in a substantial way right now the real presence of the living God who is truth and some of the lies that have become strongholds in your life will be crushed and broken and brought down like towers falling under the bombs of God's truth and love setting you free come and get prayer We'll worship together for a while, and you have you know, just freedom right now. Stand, sit, kneel, lie down if you want. Uh, you know, come and get prayer. Be quiet before the Lord. Whatever is appropriate with your situation with God right now, come and receive a touch from the Lord. Thank you, Lord. We invite you, Lord. Be blessed today in the presence of our God. We hope you've enjoyed this message. This weekly podcast is available on our website, gracevcf.org, where you can learn more about Grace Vineyard and our vision for people everywhere to know and worship God.